Welcome back to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian. And our introduction music is working without having to restart it for the first time ever today, it seems, (laughs) for whatever reason. It's crazy, but we'll take it. Shout out to... Kevin McLeod. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Kevin McLeod and God for making that work. Absolutely, yeah. credit where it's due. Yes. Yeah. Um. So you, you've got an article for for me today, Jacob, and it's about something that I kind of like. Yeah, as opposed to the usual articles that yeah, you have to kind of sit yeah. through. And yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking last episode about your recent. Um, pilgrimage to Buddhaland, aka Thailand, yes. which you went to for the deeply religious experience of board gaming. Yes, uh, specifically the World Diplomacy Championships. Uh, we will not, this this podcast will not be a deep dive into diplomacy. We are legitimately planning a crossover podcast with the Diplomacy Games podcast because um, uh, I did discover one of the hosts from that podcast and another fellow player is deeply Christian. So the, the the lead-in story to tease that crossover podcast is that me and him spent a good hour before one of the games just discussing our preparations for how to play this very intense board game, which for me involved going and meditating in a temple, <laughs> and for him involved trekking across the streets of Bangkok to a Catholic uh, church that would do an English mass on a Sunday morning. Um, so so that there there are there are many connections we will make there but but we'll, so we'll if, tease if you that. want more details about that then you can find christian buddhist bar on facebook and something about that will be there at some point at, at like some and point. subscribe guys like, like and subscribe, subscribe. Yeah. um yeah. but no so so yeah so uh, we'll 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 float that, that that that's in the works but probably a little while away so now we're no longer allowed to mention the word diplomacy for the rest Correct. of the podcast we're done. but would you say that board games are a spiritual experience Jamal? so Again, cribbing off the kind of my recent experiences in Thailand, I would say that I didn't previously think that board games are a spiritual experience, but I probably now believe that board games are a spiritual experience. Oh, well, that's all rather non-contrarian of you because the article we have today um, is about a guy called Phil Walker-Harding um, who I, th- I think he would say that board games are, have a spirituality around them. I, I would absolutely say that board games are definitely reflective of life, and life is deeply spiritual. There we go. There we go. Excellent. Podcast over. We're all in there's, furious. There's agreement. your link. But tell me about tell me about Phil. So Phil Walker Harding is a Anglican uh, minister, I think, part time and part time board game designer in Sydney. Okay. And if you've ever played the go the the go the game Sushi Go, I I learned the game Sushi Go this year. I like it a lot. I it is is definitely it. It's definitely become one of my, like, if we have a party and we want a warm-up game that's, like, kind of casual, it's definitely in on the top of on the top of that list. And, and so th- this was designed by a guy, I think the story goes, that he designed it while he was at seminary mm-hmm. training for Christian ministry. Um, and he says that he gets asked all the time, are you going to make a Christian board game? Like, is there going to be... A Christian version of um, of Sushi Go. Sushi Go. Hey. Yeah. Be- because there are a bunch of other, like there's 
um, the settlers of Canaan rather than the settlers of Canaan, right? Because, uh, yeah, that, that game doesn't have problematic themes enough as it is. And, and well, wait, wait for it. Problematic themes. There's Bibleopoly, where instead of passing go, you pass in the beginning. I've not I, played that see, or even I, seen I, it. But. I feel like the Bible version of Monopoly needs to be some kind of Pentecostal... Um, uh, prosperity gospel game instead of that. I, I, there, there, there's something in that. I've played a game that someone made that, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, but you had to kind of, you had to balance having a faithful church or a big church yeah, yeah. and kind of at the end, everyone went to heaven anyway. So. <laughs> um, you've also told me about the game that uh, is a kind of intense game based on the Reformation. That's like just trying to yeah. try, trying to play out the history of the Reformation, which to me is more of a history game, but I'm sure has lots of religious themes in it. If Burning Books is a religious yeah. theme, it has religious, it, it definitely takes you into the kind of the, the history of that 16th century moment. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nice. Um, but see, that I think is kind of almost the so that's a game called Here I Stand which is a an epic 6 or 8 hour you know meta strategy game so if you're serious if if you have heard of Twilight Struggle let alone played it then you're eligible for Here I Stand um but see that that for me kind of meets more of the criteria for a Christian game than Settlers of Canaan because obviously the Reformation and Counter-Reformation and everything that's going on in Europe in the 16th century is just a like it, it's a natural feature of a game that's set in that time rather than taking a cool game and going ah but we need to make it Christian how how shall we do this yeah. yes yeah Christian spin-off games seem to be a a weird a weird little thing that the people it's want capitalism. to capitalism yeah it's capitalism I mean can you imagine a Buddhist spin-off board game of of something i, I mean sure you, you you could have a game where you try and like let go of all your pieces and like you know and, and give up all of your possessions Well, because the christian know. game should be kind of like that as yeah, well right yeah. like like anti-monopoly possibly works better as a christian concept yeah. than monopoly right yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I can see that I, I don't know the 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 buddhist game is like um Settlers of Catan, except you go into one forest and just sit there the whole game <laughs> and you don't try Which and do anything Which is how else. some games of Settlers of Catan turn yeah, yeah. out if you don't get the right roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Is that Buddhism? You're just getting the wrong roles all oh, Sorry, that's... Uh, I look, I, I've actually, unkind. no, I'm absolutely sure that there is a game that's based on reincarnation and on... The, the game the oh, game of life, yeah. but it loops around <laughs> again and you just... Yeah, actually, no, that, that right there is a Buddhist game. It's the game of life, but as soon as you end it, you then go back to the start and have to play the whole thing again there you go we've invented a buddhist board game excellent well done okay so i let's let's talk about sushi go let's talk about this um so why is it that the founder of sushi go is not interested in making a christian board game well i think you kind of said it earlier on that like he would say that in fact there's a quote here that when people are saying, can you make a Christian board game? What he thinks they're saying is, wouldn't it be great if you could use your faith and creativity at the same time? To which he goes, well, yeah, I kind of am. Like, if faith is part of all of life, then faith is part of board games no less than it's part of a church service or going to a mosque or going to Thailand and sitting in front of a Jade Buddha or mm-hmm. or what have you. This this integration into the the whole of who a person is and there's a great aspect of board games that they build community and connection um and uh, you could say arguably 
teach you about resilience and forgiveness and repentance and, and some of these kind of things, right? Like, well, yeah, and, and, and may, maybe to me, like you know, if I'm if I'm going to take the the kind of contrarian view here, right? Like, it's I think the reason people might say that board games are not inherently spiritual is that you know most board games are competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, even co-op games are you as a group competing against the game but there's a level of competition here right and i i think most people would argue that spirituality is not competitive or you know that the teachings of spirituality are anti-competitive so i mean how how does that work how do you get around the idea that you're trying to get people to compete and there's one winner most Mm. of the time um versus this idea that actually you know spirituality is about a kind of shared experience that's a really interesting comment because like so board games you know obviously like gambling games and dice games and card games and stuff have been around since forever but board games are a somewhat modern phenomenon and there's a argument that says that we live in an inherently competitive culture right like so a, a Another podcast that I've been listening to recently has has been making the argument that um, competition and market forces and that kind of thing are, are not just things that are affecting companies and but are pushing right down into our individual lives. So if you look at social media and the comparison and uh, and everyone's looking for a competitive advantage and a competitive edge, and so I wonder if there's an aspect of of board games in that that are, are mirroring society in some ways, in the, the kind of late capitalism well, moment I, that we're in. And I think they absolutely are, right? And I think Monopoly is actually the perfect example of this, right? Because Monopoly was, you know, there's many, many things out there about the history of Monopoly, but Monopoly was created by an anti-capitalist. Yeah. Uh, and the, the whole purpose it's of the game... beautiful story. The whole purpose of the game is to have somebody do what happens in every game of Monopoly, which is start to become a real dickhead mm. about winning, and use that as an experiential learning tool to prove why monopolies are bad. So yes, that person will win the game, but it's supposed to engender in the players, in all other players, wow, this is a bit shit. We probably shouldn't want to set this up in society. Which Um, is really interesting on a couple of levels. One, the monopoly is such a massively selling game, which I think in part is just because it's so easily moddable, right? Like you can make a monopoly about anything. You just change the names of the things. Um, but also, I reckon Monopoly, this is one of Jacob's pet theories about board games, is that Monopoly is the reason why a bunch of people don't like board games. Yeah. Because that's what they think a board game is. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and, and I think, but I think the, the kind of link there, though, with our competitive society is that whilst that's the intention of Monopoly, that's not what Monopolies become. Mm-hmm. Monopolies become a, a kind of an argument for well, you know, you know, you should be good at Monopoly, and you know, the person who's yeah, good you at should Monopoly roll is the, the one dice who's better win. Or, yeah. you know, and it it it's turns in it's turned into almost a pro-capitalist game, in that it's kind of been co-opted by kind of the the capitalist um the capitalist kind of you know machine, and you know and and now it's you know, it's now a thing of like you know it's you play monopoly and most people play monopoly trying to play into the competition and trying to win and the kind of the experiential lesson is not taken out of it so i reckon that those are reasons why i would say that monopoly is an unchristian board game mm. if i can and probably unbuddhist as well but like for for all of the reasons that you've just been describing because um 
so to, to say that the experience of playing a board game can be spiritual and meaningful because of all, all of life is, well, if, if board games are a mirror to life in that sense, then there are, I would say, better or worse choices that you can make about the different things that you're going to do like with your day, with your week, with your whatever. And, and likewise, there are wise and unwise choices you can make about which board game to play. Yeah, and so I right, actually, and, and I'm formulating a theory on the fly here, but if you'd like to hear Jamal's pet theory of what board games actually are, um, that's that's arisen out of this conversation. And, and then we'll come back to me on Monopoly. Go. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. I think you're absolutely correct that, that the... That choosing which board game to play is super important and choosing what it is you do and how and what skills you're trying to learn by those board games is super important um and actually my 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 theory that was invented five seconds ago is that maybe board games are not at all actually about the objectives of the game right that the objectives of the game are simply a heuristic and are simply a a created confected uh, mechanism by which to stimulate the experience of the game and actually the experience of the game is the point of the game so the point of a board yep. game is not to win a board game the point of the board game is to use the, me- the mechanics of the game to have and simulate a certain experience which will develop certain skills certain understandings about things and the the, the lessons you get from the experience of that game is actually the point of the game and what makes a good game or not a good game or whatever else, right? So this idea that 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 games are actually about what how you feel and what you learn by playing them, not whether or not you win. You've, I reckon you've absolutely nailed it and kind of half made the point that I was about to make about Monopoly, right? Which is what makes it a bad game is because of what it trains you to do, right? Like Monopoly does not teach you how to lose well it does not particularly teach you resilience and if you're going to be a genuinely objectively good monopoly player in the sense of actually winning games like a as you say you've got to be a bit of a dick but b you have to cheat like there is no way to consistently win the game of monopoly without cheating so far as i'm aware of christopher pine famously admitted that um australian politician that he cheats in monopoly games with his kids which i thought was an interesting confession well but but again i mean to use my theory a little bit here i don't think the point of the monopoly game is to be good at monopoly though like so monopoly is not a game where what the game is about is actually about learning how to win right so the point of the monopoly game is the experience of losing Right. Yeah. And it's the lesson you get about life that says, hey, this is what capitalism turns people into. It, it, it's a cautionary tale, right? Yeah, but we, we just refuse to learn. Correct. In, in right. that so, so yeah, I think yeah, everyone's yeah. playing Monopoly wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, and, and if you look at the game design, that was the intent. And I think actually, Monopoly, if played correctly, is a good game, but it's not a good game for the winner. It's actually a good game for the losers because it's a cautionary tale about the world. Mm-hmm. And actually, like reading a good book that would tell you a cautionary tale about capitalism, Monopoly is just putting you in that scenario so you can physically and emotionally And making you feel all the emotions. Yeah, yeah, experience yeah. what that is, right? So because losing who, Monopoly is brutal compared to losing any other game except for the one that shall not be mentioned on this podcast. No, yeah. we're, pro- we're probably going to go there, let's be honest. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, but, but yeah, and I think everyone who says they hate Monopoly 
what I would probably respond to that is go, cool, so you hate capitalism, mm-hmm. right? And actually that's that's the point of the game there, right? Which is actually a kind of, yeah, a, a, a play out of this scenario and a safe space to play that out. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good call. And to tie into the other thing that you were saying, though, is that like you you can't be because of the chance factor in Monopoly because it's so high, you can't get good at Monopoly mm. in the same way as you can't get good at Snakes and Ladders. And maybe Snakes and Ladders actually teaches you snakes a similar. Snakes and Ladders letter. is a Buddhist game. Legitimately, it is in it is invented. Oh, as a Buddhist seriously? Game. Yeah, Snakes and Ladders is yeah. invented in India, and it, or maybe it's a Hindu game. That's why a you always game. go back to the beginning after you correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but that that's it, right? That actually it's supposed to be this whole thing about just proving to you that there's that everything in life is kind of just chance that that whether you go up or whether you go down and progressing through the kind of the 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 circle of birth and death is all just a big lot of chance and that's kind of the point of snakes and ladders which is interesting then that no one over five plays it but yeah 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 we'll dig into that another time um but yeah, there's, so there's no way to, to... You can't get better at snakes and ladders. Yeah. Which is perhaps an argument against seeking enlightenment, but we'll save that for another day. And, and you can't get better at Monopoly, but you can get better at chess. Yes. Um, and so this is... Um, have, if anyone's read the Patrick Rothkus, um books, uh, whatever his trilogy is called, that we're all, we've all been waiting for the last one for a decade, um, The Name of the Wind is the first one. Yeah, okay. Um, he has this game in there which is called Tack. Uh, and the object of tack is not to win the game of tack; it's to play a beautiful game. Mm. That's the the objective of the game. And chess can be like this sometimes as well, right? Like that the the object is not necessarily to win, but the object is to get better at chess. Mm. And I, I say all of this because um, the philosopher Alastair McIntyre, in his book After Virtue, uses chess as an example of a virtuous practice where you can get better at this limited, constrained activity that requires skill. And the ultimate goal is not winning at chess, but it's learning the skills of chess. And so, and so he says a game of chess is actually like any other virtuous habit that you have in life. Uh, to go down the literature path, it reminds me a lot of um, Herman Hesse's The Glass Bead Game, which if you haven't read it, absolutely recommend. Um, but yeah, it essentially it posits a kind of uh, utopian, dystopian future in which um, the biggest, the best and brightest minds all get sent to a particular academic institution to learn how to play this glass bead game. Mm-hmm. And the point is just to see, find beauty in the playing of the glass bead game. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's in- super interesting. But like, so, I mean, that suggests to me an analogy between like, you know, board games and business, say, where like the, the goal of business is not necessarily to create a profitable business that like makes you shed loads of money, but to make the really nice pastries that are satisfying yeah. people. And and yeah, you've got to be profitable to to do that to get to the end goal. In the same way as well, you have to win some games of chess if you're going to get good yeah, at chess. Yeah. But that's not actually the goal of what you're doing. Which is, I, my mind keeps coming back to Donald J. Trump on this, right? Because he is absolutely the guy that would cheat at Monopoly, right? Of course. Yeah. Because yeah, I think he cheated at the real life game of Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and and so, th- like, that's not learning the lesson of the board game, right? Like, that's yeah. when winning becomes the ultimate thing, rather than. I don't know. Am I arguing for the process, or what am I saying? Jamal? Well, I I think you're saying that the the 
the skills and experiences of the game are the purpose of the game, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is the same kind of um, theory that I had, right? Which is this, yeah, that that winning is a function of the game. Mm-hmm. Winning is a mechanic. It's it, it's a you know the games are set up to be competitive and have a winner because in all, you know when you have a winner, when you have people trying to achieve a goal, uh, what you end up getting is uh, you know. You, you, you get a way for people to work through the skills and the process that they have to learn in the game. Um, I will go to diplomacy here just because I think it is it is a really good example. Uh, and yeah, sorry for breaking that rule. Not sorry at all. Um, but like, you know, I everyone... Diplomacy is known as the game that ruins friendships, right? It's known yep. as a game that... It's a brutal game to lose. Yeah, it's a brutal game to lose. Except for the fact that the lesson of diplomacy is actually to learn how to play in the way that isn't like that so you know it's this thing where you know you know it's a zero-sum game so often what happens is people go for a kind of betrayal mechanic where they would you know where they backstab their allies where they turn on their friends where they you know where they're doing something just in order to to get some advantage in the game but actually what you learn through lots of high level plays that that's actually not the way to play and as a friend of mine once said you know it's it's a game that's about how do you build trust in a fundamentally untrustworthy environment right mm. and actually the purpose of the game is to learn how to genuinely connect with people and work towards shared goals and actually build trust with people um you know and and if you learn to play like that you become you know that's how you become a good player of the game and that's how you win games and then what you're actually learning there is skills and connecting with people and skills and well, actually, you know, aligning strategies and, and, and working with people. And, and, you know, you end up, you know, if you're a good player of the game of diplomacy, you will actually be somebody who can more genuinely connect with people than you were when you started playing. And, and that holds, I think, as well for another whole genre of board game that's taking off at the moment, which is legacy games, mm. um, which kind of counter some of the dangers of the competitiveness that you were talking about before Jamal because um, you, you're having to play repeated games with the same people which as any economist will tell you means that you can't just be addicted to them in game one because that's going to have consequences it's, it's, for it's, you in game five. That, that's game right? theory right? Yeah yeah, yeah exactly right um, the aptly named game theory <laughs> um, and, and also in, in my experience of um, legacy games is that they tend to have even though you've all got your own objectives and your own win conditions there's also an aspect of cooperation that's required so that the the last co-op game uh, sorry co-op game uh, legacy game i played like was a game called the king's dilemma where we're all counselors to the king right like so even though we're wanting our own faction to kind of come out slightly better than everyone else we also still need to make sure that the kingdom doesn't fall apart right yeah well and and one other element of legacy games that I found is that um, so I've recently played Betrayal Legacy, and certainly the purpose of Betrayal Legacy is to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually what we found after, you know, I think it's like 13 episodes or something in it, so you're playing quite a few games. And after the first couple, I really felt like, so, you know, in Betrayal Legacy you're playing a family, and so you have these kind of like, you know, you're a different person in the family in each game. But I found pretty quickly that people were leaning into the stories yep. they were telling. Yep. And so Playing the characters. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And people started playing the characters and making moves based on what their characters or their family histories would tell them to do that weren't inherently the best moves to make, yep. but it made the story better, right? It, it, it made the story and the narrative better. And I found that 
people very quickly cottoned on to that that was the purpose of the game that that what we're trying to do here is actually tell a really fun and interesting story and be part of that story rather than just win every time at all yep. costs and and that ties into a couple of great quotes from um from phil walker harding in this article um the first one is you can't think of art as a tool and i'd never really thought of board game designing as an art but it totally is right and he says how can i paint a painting or force this concept into a painting or a song or a game like that's generally not how you come up with good art it comes out of who you are and that's the same thing with winning right like you, you're not going to tell a beautiful story in a game of betrayal legacy if you're just thinking about well how can i win this game yeah right um but also the he he likens playing games to something like Christian community. He says games allow groups of people to engage with each other, get to know each other, have a shared experience. If you're from all ages and backgrounds, uh, I think that's better than games with a Christian theme. And he goes on to say that at church, that's what we're always trying to do, trying to build a community where everyone is welcome, where there's openness towards each other. Mm. Um, and that's been my experience broadly of game communities as well, that they're really... Yeah, open groups, and I think that 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 comment kind of lends itself to this theory that we're forming here, right? Which is that yeah, the purpose of the game, the, Sushi Go, is a Christian game because it is teaching people Christian lessons, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the you know, um, to experience like never put down miso soup at the same time as someone else. Well, yeah, but but, <laughs> but it, it's think about what other people are doing and yep. and and learn to structure how you approach things in a way that 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 is complementary to somebody else and that's actually how you get success rather than consistently competing with somebody else mm-hmm. right so if you and me are just going for the same thing all the time we're both gonna fail at that but actually if i can learn to pick up what you're putting down so to speak uh, <laughs> and you know and uh and and work with that so we can kind of overall optimize the game yeah right like. and, yeah. and you know and, and and we both actually have a better chance of scoring better if we do that um not to mention the idea of just fun and community and like you know enjoying things together which is you know a very obviously spiritual kind of act so yeah i think he's he's talking about similar things there where yeah you know the the point of sushi go is not to score as many points as possible it's to it's to learn how to be with people yeah Mm. which is kind of like a a spirituality all of its own Mm. Yeah. yeah um i find it interesting actually is an interesting comparison here i maybe want to draw in the kind of the, the resurgence of dnd yeah okay go on so i uh, so yeah a dn i've never played dnd i really feel like i should have oh, like you, I, you, I know you um, you would be I, I mean look if i didn't already have a dnd group i would say we should work out something but also i do too many things in my life with you now uh, <laughs> I, I understand i, I understand i, I, I don't get me wrong. I, my wife has to see me sometimes. I, I continue to want to do more things in my life with you, but yeah, they, they probably should have other friends as well. Um, but yeah, so um, for those who don't know, Dungeons and Dragons, obviously a famous game that was kind of rose in popularity in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, kind of seen by a bunch of people as like evil and sinister for a while. Oh, was a, a, associated yeah. with the Satanic Panic, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's a whole episode there in Dungeons and Dragons and the Satanic Panic and all of that. Um, but um. And, you know, it kind of went away for a little bit. And then, you know, yeah, in recent years, I don't know, maybe the past five years, I feel like, has had a pretty popular resurgence. And, you know, uh, we're in Canberra, so we're all kind of slightly nerdy, board gamey types here. But uh, certainly, I would say at least 40% of people that I would randomly talk to about, oh, what do you do outside of work, have a D&D thing that yep. is somewhat adjacent to that. So lots of people are playing it now. And it's a, it's kind of had a had a pretty massive comeback. And... um. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder whether the comeback of D&D is a little bit like that. Whereas, you know, D&D is an interesting game where there are obviously win conditions, right? There are mechanics and, you know, people get very invested in their characters and whatever else. Sure. But also, it is almost a never-ending story kind of yeah. thing, right? Like, it's a game where, you know... And it's all about the story arc, right? It's absolutely yeah. about the story arc. And you have a, you know, a dungeon master who's normally a friend of yours who's playing the storyteller but also trying to kill you all right <laughs> and trying to trying to put in place challenges where you know a good D game is not one where every character lives throughout the whole story like there is a there is a need for things to be hard enough that you do lose sometimes you can't just win everything right mm-hmm. and so yeah like and you know people min max and people like you know do character builds that like are trying to cheat the system right whatever else but Which also, is the whole DM's job then to work against that, right? right. Build a better system. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah, and, and it's that thing where it's like, you know, the, there's fun and success in doing that, you know, but also, like, there is absolutely a thing here of, like, going, actually, you know, what do you lean into here? And, and, and again, leaning into the story is big. And, you know, the the lessons of D&D and the kind of... um, I had a friend once who told me that, like, you know, uh, if they're ever hiring for a data scientist job... Um, they will automatically hire anyone who plays D&D because it shows a level of creativity <laughs> yep. that you don't often find in data scientists. So the data scientists that play D&D are the if ones If you're a you data can... scientist listening to this, we love you anyway. But, yeah, uh... yeah. But you, yeah, you can kind of find the people that are a little bit more social and creative and all and all of those kinds Which of things. Which has a different kind of lens to it in that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that's the thing. I think, you know, learning how to be social and learning how to interact and all that is a really big thing with D&D and there's lots of people and lots of many podcasts out there that talk about how <laughs> D&D have, has changed people's lives in that way through the skills they learn not through oh yeah I got my character to level 50 and then killed a big dragon you know yeah yeah. do you have thoughts I mean like I, you know, I mean like as, as somebody that hasn't hasn't played D&D like do you, do you kind of get that oh absolutely I get that like I said I, I'm not sure how I've managed to not play <laughs> D&D um, all this time yeah. and, and it's like you say kind of true or true enough of other board games in general and maybe just to go back to Monopoly for a moment mm. like one of the the challenges with Monopoly is that unlike, because it's trying to teach you about the evils of capitalism it doesn't let you lose nicely um, whereas a lot of other games kind of give you more of a soft fall there's more opportunities for empathy and this kind of stuff yeah um like sushi go yeah like sushi go and and that segue lets me just bring in this quote from phil walker harding which i so i I love someone asked me if i could create a christian version of sushi go but i wasn't aware that eating sushi was not christian (laughs) yeah no for sure i I actually actually, let's just spend a minute on that because i think that's useful i i mean Oh, my, my sense is you broadly agree with Phil here that actually there's a lot Christian in board games. Like, do you? I don't use... know that I'd seen it kind of before yeah. I read this. Yeah. Okay. Do you use board games at all as part of your ministry? Oh, I'd like yes. Um, so the um, the church where I serve in Woden um, has like a once a month board games day. Something that we tried to do. Um, was to create just a community board games thing to connect with people from outside of the church as well, right? Like um, I play lots of board games with my Christian and non-Christian friends in a kind of, it's not an official thing of the church, but I do it a lot for social engagement, like 
because I like it and also it's good for like building friendships and connections and um, I, actually, I don't know I don't know how often you kind of get a straight segue from playing a board game to talking about Jesus yeah and unless it's Bibleophily obviously, <laughs> obviously but well yeah and but I guess maybe that's the point right is that Jesus is in everything and doesn't need to be have a straight segue to be there right yeah to, to, absolutely to and I'd agree with that yeah that makes sense. Um, so it does remind me this time a Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar. Um, and, um, yeah, so they're walking into this bar and uh, actually and they walked in with their Hindu friend this time as well, actually. Um, and um, they, you know, they, they went to the bar to order their drinks and the bartender said, well, yeah, actually tonight we've got a, a special on where, you you know, we're giving out dye with your drinks. So, you know, you know, order your drink and tell me how many dye you want and then, you know, we'll we'll give you that many dye and you can just get to keep them as a little keepsake, a little a little touch gives, okay. right? Yeah. Uh so they they walk in like, Oh, that's cool. Um so they, they go to the they go to the bar and the Christian walks in and goes, Oh, you know, I I'd like three dye. Thank you. They go, well, you know, like the Holy Trinity, I want yeah. I want three dye. Yeah, so they're cool. He gets given three dye. Uh, and the Hindu walks in and, and says, Oh, well, you know, like I'd I'd like a million dye to represent all of the all of the reincarnations and gods we've got, but like I'll just take one I'll take one dice. I'll I'll representative. Take, I'll, I'll take the representative yeah, yeah. dice for Brahma and, and that'll be it, right? And and the Buddhist walks up to the bar and says, Ah oh, yes, no, for me I I know what I want. I want two dye. Hey. Yeah, I, I thought something yeah. like that was coming. I wasn't yeah. wasn't quite sure how it would work. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful chatting board games with you, Jamal, as well as playing board games with you. We yes. should do that more often. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we do do it fairly often, but always, always down for more board games. Um, Kevin McLeod, actually, did you know, in, invented uh, the game of Risk. No way. He did, yeah. Yeah, his music is quite risque. Yeah, it is. Hey! Uh, we can be found at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. We will take questions about diplomacy and other board games at that email as well, if you so wish. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next week. 